Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. Mike Rutherford here with Danny Sennard. And look, we got to start off on a pretty serious note because we're not immune to social media. We see all the talk. We can't ignore it. We're not going to, it would be, it would be just fake if we came on here on this podcast and didn't talk about what everybody's saying. All the quotes out there, all the comments, all the hate mail about, hey, you guys started this podcast. You peaked too soon. You won 10 in a row right off the bat. What the hell's going on? You got you got a little bit too cocky. The day of the dump story started slipping. Um, well, I'm here to say, look, I called a Potter's only meeting today. Dan and I <laughs> sat down. We hashed some stuff out. I got on him about the way that he says, especially that people don't seem to like that. He threw it right back in my face, made fun of me for the 40 for 40 comment. Um, I feel like we we worked a lot of stuff out. We have a renewed enthusiasm. And we're ready to get back on track and start getting these wins again, Dan. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate that it got out that I cried during the, the meeting. But sometimes <laughs> when when you have a pod-only meeting, you know, emotions run high. So I'm glad we were able to work through our problems. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just positive vibes going forward. All good vibes from this point forward. We, we start the podcast this way because, of course, uh, Dwayne Sutton addressed the media today. He was the player representative for the pre-Syracuse press conference, and he broke the news that we had the players-only meeting. The players-only meeting is back. It's that time of the year again in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, Dwayne says the captains, he, Malik Williams, and Ryan McMahon called the players-only meeting. He said, you know, Malik did most of the talking. There was some, definitely some yelling, but they feel like they have a renewed enthusiasm. The vibe has been really good the last couple of days. Practice has been really good the last couple of days. And they're ready to get back on track and start winning games again. Um, I'll ask you this, because look, everybody made the jokes. Like, the jokes were out there. This is not a new thing. We've seen players-only meetings. If you Google Louisville players-only meeting, you're probably going to get five or six results from five or six different years over the past 12 to 15 years. Um, but how do you feel about this? Is this a big thing? Is it a little thing? Does it not matter at all? Or are we kind of waiting to find out? I think every team is different. Um, with this team, it, it doesn't bother me that they had a players only meeting just because of kind of how we looked the last two games as far as almost being disinterested. Mm -hmm. um, and whatever Max message was just wasn't getting through to them. So, I mean, players only meeting, I guess another word for it is last resort. Um, so hopefully, you know, the leaders of the team stepped up and, and, you know, kind of rallied the troops and said what they had to say, but, you know, every team kind of, I mean, they could come out tomorrow and look the exact same. Um, but here's to hoping to, you know, whatever was said in there that kind of gets everyone going. Yeah. I mean, my initial response was kind of the same shitty jokes that we always make in these situations when stuff happens over and over and over again. But at the same time, I don't hate the players only meeting. I, I think that it could be, I'm with you. Every team is different. And I think that if this team, it, it could be beneficial for them in a way that it wasn't beneficial for past groups that just did it because they felt like they had to do it. And it was more of a, a showy type thing. Like I remember the 2014, 15 team, which seems to get brought up on this podcast every episode because it has some similarities to this year's team. I felt like that year when they did it, it was kind of just for show because it, and I think Rick Pitino admitted a couple weeks later, nothing changed afterwards. The guys didn't start hanging out. 
they had this story about how they went to a movie together for the first time and they were actually hanging out. And it was like, I don't think this team has those same types of problems that that group had when it came to chemistry. Now, maybe something's happened the last couple of weeks. I no idea, but just I've, I've watched the same games that you all have watched. But I like the fact that they're at least trying something. And I think that was how Chris Mack reacted during his portion of the press conference. He said, at least it shows that they care. Um, the, the fact that they're willing to go and do this. Now it's kind of on them to make it seem like it actually accomplished something. And if they come out tomorrow night against Syracuse, we're recording this Tuesday night, by the way. If they come out tomorrow night or Wednesday night, if you're listening to this uh, on Wednesday morning, and just go through the motions and look like they did against Clemson last Saturday, then, you know, it, this was all kind of for naughts. But if nothing else, it shows that the team leaders are still invested. It shows that um, the, the players are still bought in, and it shows that they were embarrassed by last week, and they should be. Like they, I'm not saying they need to be crying about it in their dorm rooms, and they shouldn't be allowed to show their faces on campus, but when you play the way that they did, especially the game on Saturday at Clemson, when you go through the motions and you're supposed to be a top-five team, and it's this late in the season, you should be embarrassed by that. You should be embarrassed when every time you flip on an ESPN College Hoop show, they're talking about how you guys disappeared and what's wrong with Louisville and how that's the topic across the country in the college basketball world because the other best teams in the country are all finding their stride right now. They're all rounding into form at the right time, and you guys are having the reverse narrative. So I'm fine with it. Desperate times call for desperate measures, and And I'm I'm all good with it. One more thing to add. Um, A lot of our key contributors are guys that aren't going to be here next year. Um, Dwayne Sutton, Ryan McMahon, you know, good chance Jordan's leaving. So, I mean, these are these guys' last chance to have like a lasting impression here at the university. So, you know, it's it's the time is now, Um, you know, from here forward, it's just going to be a a show me thing. Let's, you know, you can do all the team meetings you want, um, players only meetings you want, but now it's time to just go on the court and lay it all on the line from now until April. And I've talked about this before, but it's interesting on a team that like everybody, when they talk about Louisville, they talk about the experience and the, and the fact that this team starts three grad transfers or fifth-year seniors, however you want to look at it. And it starts uh, a junior, and another junior comes off the bench as the top reserve. Like This is as experienced a team as there is in the top 15 right now, but it's also a team that has zero experience when it comes to success in the NCAA tournament. Like, these guys have not – nobody on this team has played in the second weekend of an NCAA tournament and only a handful of guys were a part of the one win that the team got back in 2017. So if you ever want to know what it feels like to go to a Sweet 16, if you ever want to know what it feels like to play deep into the NCAA tournament, play in one of those standalone games, play in a regional final, maybe go to a Final Four, like this is the time where you've got to kick it into high gear. Selection Sunday is less than a month away. If you don't get things figured out, really, I think in the next 10 days, then it's just not going to happen. And so if these guys want to have that special March moment that they haven't been able to have up until this point, it's, I mean, it's, it's now or never. Um, so now starts tomorrow night and we'll talk about the game against Syracuse, seven o'clock tip off on ESPN Syracuse, another one of those teams in the middle of the ACC that kind of just gels together and struggles to differentiate itself from the pack. I guess they're still technically in like contention to be on the bubble they've uh they're, they're 14 and 11 overall they have a, a couple of okay wins but this is kind of this is their make or break moment they they need a quality win they need a quad one win they just missed out an opportunity to get one last game against florida state I, they're going to be coming in full bore and it's a team that beat you by 20 a year ago Louisville really struggled against that zone what's your i guess just overall confidence level after the week that we saw 
and against an opponent that, look, we couldn't figure out a year ago. Where are you right now heading into this game? I said when we talked on the pod a couple weeks ago about which game, you know, we were most likely to drop. And this was the one that I pointed to. With that being said, I just don't see any way that we don't come out and play absolutely desperate and with our hair on fire. I think we're going to see just a completely renewed energy tomorrow night. But with that being said, you know, it doesn't mean we're going to come out with a, a win automatically. Um, and sometimes that can have the reverse effect on, on a team. You know, they Louisville might come out and just be, they might press a little too hard. I, I could totally see like a sloppy game happening with, you know, a lot of missed shots, a lot of loose balls, just cause you know, a lot of effort plays coming. But as long as we get the win, I, I really don't care how, it, how it happens. But Syracuse has always been a team that, I have a hard time like kind of pegging which direction they're going to go. Like the years where I'm like, all right, well, they're really down this year. They'll sneak into the tournament and then like make a run to like the elite eight or the final four. And then like years where I'm like, wow, they're loaded. They're, you know, stacked. Like you see like a, you know, a second round exit. So they're a tough team to peg. We obviously know the two, three zone is, you know, it stymied us last year. They shot. I, I went back and watched some of the highlights of the, the games the last two years and they really shot over our undersized guards um what's that scares me a little because we really you know kind of the same way we're a little undersized at the guard position so yeah uh, it's it's definitely a game that makes me nervous if you had to put it out at one out of ten i would say i'm about a 7.5 it's an interesting team because the two three zone this year for them has been much worse than it had like they don't have a whole lot of good defenders and even though they have some guys with length like uh, Merrick Dolage and like uh, Buddy Beheim, they don't have the athletes that you expect to see from Syracuse at the top of that zone. But they, what they do have is a, is a handful of really good scores. Elijah Hughes is without question their best player. And I believe that now he's the ACC's leading scorer with Jordan Wara dropping these last two games, only scoring seven points combined. Buddy Beheim's a guy who can get off from three. Uh, he can explode for 30 points. Uh, mentioned Dolage, he's their inside guy and he does a good job. Joe Girard. First of all, have you seen Joe Girard play basketball this year? Yeah, yeah, I have. Because he's, he's uh, right up your alley. As a guy who, like Dan Sennard, high school legend, intramural college legend, you're big on shooting a lot of threes. You're not big on playing any defense. This, this is your is guy. Like, yeah, this, no, I 100% agree. Anyone that kind of floats around the three-point line and, um, you know, kind of gets a little bit lazy on D, they're right up my alley. So I don't follow like, – I, I tend to not follow – basketball recruiting all that closely until it gets to the class that's uh, in you know they're seniors they're going to be college freshmen a year later uh, I look at that a little bit and then I really lock into the guys that Louisville's going after but the one of the few exceptions over the years was Gerard because if you didn't if, if you're not familiar he played at the same high school in New York that Jimmer Fredette played he broke Jimmer's New York State scoring record he averaged I think 47 points per game his senior year and just his highlights are just absolutely ridiculous it's just him lighting up everybody and taking 30 footers uh, with casual ease and that was just kind of who he was throughout high school wound up being a pretty big time recruit Louisville actually offered him a scholarship I was really hoping he would come here but he's been kind of a, a dog for them he's been he's really stepped up in the second half of the season and his three-point uh, percentage is only 32.4 but when he gets going he can single-handedly take over a game and he's also I think their best passer Hughes is a pretty good passer but it's more about Gerard than it is uh, Hughes as far as instigating the offense but They've got a lot of different weapons. They don't play great defense. The 
the main concern that I have going into this game is like a year ago, I remember being on on the radio, RIP, and saying like Dwayne Sutton is the perfect guy to stick in the middle of that two three zone. He can knock down the mid range jumper. He is a heady player. He can find guys on the outside. He always makes the right decision, and he's a good slasher. He can get to the foul line if if need be. And then Dwayne Sutton promptly played, I mean, maybe the worst game that he's ever played at Louisville. One of ten from the field, zero of three from three. Um, had a couple of turnovers, only had one assist. He actually, we moved him out of the middle of the zone in the offense and moved Jordan Wara in there. And then Jordan was just as bad. He was three of 13 from the field, had four turnovers. We couldn't find, get anything going against that zone. Um, but here's the secret weapon, Dan. We got Denny Crum advising Chris Mack now. He's drawing up true. plays. He's getting the offense going. We got Denny on our side. How can we lose? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I, I, Denny, he, that guy could literally be special assistant, you know, and I would trust any play he ever drew up in the history of the world. I absolutely love that guy. Do you think Chris Mack haters, because, you know, those people are out again. Like, you have the people in your mentions now on Twitter who are like, we got to get rid of this guy. He, he's terrible. We got to go hire Billy Donovan. He would come here and coach for $5. Like, those people are back in full force. Like, are those people now, if we look great again and beat Syracuse on Wednesday, do those people – Give Danny Crum all the credit. <laughs> I mean, God, I like it's gonna I, happen. I know, you know. I'm like, I, I don't really. I get on Twitter and I look, but I don't really tweet a lot. I, I just, I can't get into the, the Twitter trolls and the turtle, the Twitter mess. Uh, and yeah, I'm sure they'll be, they'll be back out. I mean, that, that's we will find one person who doesn't like Chris Mack who's gonna be like, man, he had to go, he had to go get Denny Crum. He had to pull out all the stops. This, this this win should go on Coach Crum's record. He should have 500 or 600, however many wins, plus one now. Uh, I'm waiting for that to be a storyline after this game. But uh, as far as Syracuse is concerned, dangerous team. They've lost four or five, but they've been competitive in all four of those losses, and they've come against pretty good teams. They've lost the same Clemson team that just beat us. Uh, they only lost to them by one on their home floor. Uh, Duke beat them by nine. NC State beat them by five. And then FSU beat them by three. Although that game for Florida State, they played without Devin Vassell, who I think is their best player. So Syracuse, not exactly rolling at the moment. But like we said earlier, seven and seven in the conference. They're desperate. Their net ranking still puts them within striking distance. I think they're, they're top 60 in the net. And they actually have a pretty easy schedule to end the ACC with. So if they can actually win this one, maybe they get on a five, six game winning streak going into the conference tournament and can feel good about themselves. So if nothing else, you're going to get their best shot. Um, I just, Again, it's another one of those games that, on paper, Louisville's clearly superior, but we're obviously dealing with some shit right now. Um, so, I, I, so let me ask you this, because you brought up the Dwayne Sutton stats from uh, last year. Is there a guy that maybe you're pegging as this year's? I feel like this is like a big deal. Like, who's the middle of the zone player this year? Like every year, I feel like it's a new guy. Uh, but is there someone that you're looking at to maybe uh, step up into that role this year? I don't know. I mean, it seems like it would be Dwayne again. Like, I know he handled it poorly last year, but he's the most logical. If you can get, you know, your shooters on the wings, you want to have Jordan on one wing, preferably Ryan on the other or Darius on the other. And then, you know, fresher David Johnson instigating the offense. Dwayne Sutton seems to fit perfectly into that middle role, but he didn't handle it very well last year. So I think you give him the benefit of the doubt. He's your senior captain. He's uh, he's a guy that's been trustworthy really through every stage of his career. I think you go ahead and you, you put him in that situation again. Um, side note, one of my favorite 
like Rick Pitino moments from, I mean, he, the man struggled against Virginia. We've talked about that a bunch, but he absolutely owned Jim Beheim in Syracuse. And one of the best moments was, I think it was the, the 2011, 12 season when we couldn't do anything against the two, three, we had like, I don't know who was playing in the middle of it, but it was like Terrence Jennings or somebody terrible. It made no Is sense. Is this when we put Couric in the middle? Yes. Yes. Everybody oh. in the world watching this game is like, put fucking Kyle Couric in the middle of the zone and let him go to town. So and- I literally, I have a que- I have a question that I was going to ask you. I said, who's your all-time middle of the Syracuse zone guy? And I literally was going to say either Kyle Couric or Gorgie. Or, or Gorgie. I mean, Couric, he's the perfect middle-of-the-zone guy. Like, good passer, uh, great athlete, can get to the rim if he needs to, will knock down that open you know, 12-footer if you leave him wide open. But, like, every Louisville fan in the world was saying the exact same thing during this game. And after Couric gets put in the zone and we run away with it and, and Kyle's fantastic, afterwards Rick is like, all the credit goes to Richard. Like, that was his idea. That was his suggestion. He made all the moves. And he was acting like Richard had invented a new basketball offense <laughs> on the fly in the middle of this game. I mean, he was like, I've never heard of an assistant make a suggestion as brilliant as this one. And I was like, dude, if you listen to the dude in row five who was yelling at you it, like five minutes into the game, you would have heard the exact same thing. But that was my, I think Kyle Couric is the ultimate Syracuse he, he was so smooth there. Like he would catch and just turn immediately and like shoot that little fade away from like the elbow. It was funny. And like, Gorgie was so good. Like I, I went back and watched a little bit of the uh, the Big East title game against Syracuse in 2013. My like oh, so top good. two favorite game of all time. Um, and Rick had Montrez and Gorgie like flashing to the high post, like rotating. And it like the second half, it worked like a dream. Like Gorgie would either knock down the jumper or he'd take like one dribble in. The defense would collapse and he'd dump off to Trez or kick it to Luke or Kevin Ware for three and. God, it works so well. Um, I, I do. I, I mean, I know Steve's got range. I know Malik can hit the three, but I do miss having like a a big guy that just could knock down that elbow jumper with ease. That was such a nice tool to have with Gorgie. But um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on Dwayne. I, I think you got to put him in there and, and give him another shot. Um, I trust him more in the zone than uh, the other guy I would maybe think is, is Jordan. Um, but I, I, I kind of want Jordan more out on the wing to, to get some of those open looks in case the defense is, you know, collapse in the middle. Absolutely. And no, I could not agree more uh, real quick because I, I asked you guys for Twitter questions tonight uh, and you guys delivered again, as always, we're going to get to those, but before I want to make a quick announcement, we're going to have a couple of sponsors here uh, in, in short order that I'm excited about. We'll be uh, able to talk about that, I think, next week, which is going to be a lot of fun. We may be doing some live shows and stuff. And if you are interested in getting involved as a sponsor, hit me up now. Uh, my email is out there, microth 5 at AOL.com. I fear change. <laughs> I'm never changing. Every time I say it, I have immense pride. What a sales pitch at AOL. microth 5 at AOL.com. It's on, my, it's on my profile. Or you can reach my screen name, which is <laughs> yeah. microth 5 all day, 24-7. Feel free to beat me at uh, Beep Guy 69, 24-7. Uh, <laughs> I, knew, like, right, I was like, I shouldn't even say that. Yeah. Like, right as I was talking, I was like, don't do it. Dan's not going to be able to handle it. But, uh, but in all seriousness, hit me up today. We, we don't have all that many spots because I don't want the podcast to become you know, an infomercial or anything else. But if you are interested in, in partnering up in some way, uh, hit me up today. But excited about the stuff that's going to come in the next couple of weeks. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, but we will get to some of your Twitter questions. 
I'll start here because this is one that we've dealt with before, and it's fun to kind of revisit as we get closer and closer to Selection Sunday. But uh, Mayan Konechi, who I'm sure I just pronounced your name incorrectly, and I'm sorry. You, you play, it looks like you play football for St. X, and I'm sure you could kick my ass. So I apologize for that. But he says, how many teams from the ACC are going to make the NCAA tournament? I think the last time that we talked about this, we both said five, but we had a different five. Where are you right now on this? Well, I mean, I, it's going to be Louisville, Florida State, Duke, Virginia, and Syracuse probably would need to get hot, or NC State would need to get hot. Um, I'm just going to keep it at four. I, I just, I think that's going to be the final number: Duke, Florida State, Virginia, and uh, Louisville. I'm with you. Like, I, I, I was five. I've been thinking this entire time that a fifth team would be able to get in there. I just. I don't see it. NC State has had a lot of opportunities. Now they, they do play Duke on Wednesday, and they always seem to give Duke fits when they host them. Um, if they get that win, it's obviously a big deal for them. But they just don't – like. there's not one team out there in the middle of the conference that you watch play and you're like – Notre gonna... Dame's a little sneaky. I, yeah, I kind of got my still, eye on them. Like they limp to victories. Like They should have lost to North Carolina a billion times the other night. Like I, They still have a shot. But they lost. I mean, they got blown the fuck out by Duke on Saturday um, in a game that I, I think you and I both talked about and thought it could be kind of close. They blew an opportunity against UVA. Their resume is just it's it's not great right now. And they only have one opportunity to do anything. It's the Florida State game, uh, which I think is their second to last of the regular season. So they're still there. Like they've been playing better recently. But there's not like like none of those teams that you watch. You never come away thinking, man, like that's a really good team. They just had some bad breaks, and I think they're going to hit their stride. Like I, none of these teams are any good, and I, I just don't think that they're going to get right in time to, just, you know, make any sort of run yeah. to the NCAA tournament. So going back, you talked about Notre Dame should have lost to North Carolina. Um, let me ask you this question. I know it's not a Twitter question, but which game are you more nervous for? This game tomorrow night, or the North Carolina game on Saturday? Probably this game, um, Syracuse Wednesday night, just because, uh, just because they've played so poorly the last two games, and I think you worry about it snowballing. Like if they play well, if they lose to Syracuse Wednesday night and they look lethargic in doing so, then I'll have. I mean, I'll just expect North Carolina to come in here and play off their ass and to finally get over the hump and beat somebody and have it be us. But if Louisville, like if Louisville handles Syracuse with relative ease or at least looks semi-competent it wins by five to ten points i'll feel pretty good about carolina on saturday like i i'm more worried about the team's headspace right now than i am anything related to x's and o's or matchups or anything like that that's fair no i i would say i agree but slightly just because i mean carolina god i mean they we we all know what's happening they're losing on these buzzer beaters but they seem to be playing a lot more competitive lately and you just hope that we're not the game that they just put it completely together that's like my only fear um but yeah it's a it'll be a saturday four o'clock game the crowd should be rowdy um so yeah i'd say probably tomorrow night just because of how we played the last two games is probably the game i'm a little more nervous for as well all right shay martin says what's the best setting to crush beer in i'll let you kick this off Oh God, best. <laughs> I mean, I love to crush beer at the casino. Just sort of sitting there at the crafts table, trying to get some, uh, trying to, uh, you know, roll the six and eights, press them a little bit, 
Yeah, I would say that or, I don't know, cutting the grass. Those are two pretty boring answers. Those are two very, very different answers. Like, you know, <laughs> the only two places where you can, like, just hammer beer are either cutting your grass, which is a bad answer, first of all, or at the casino. I meant, like, the after, like, the after cutting grass, like, beer. I mean, crushing beer, okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know, at a bar, that's, like, the worst answer ever, but. Vegas, the beach, yeah, yeah, any any of the above. This question should have been asked to us like eight years ago, because now yeah, I know we I'm don't like, <laughs> we don't really get to crush beer. That church much picnics. Um, you no. you made that joke. I literally was thinking it when the question came up. <laughs> I, I had that. Ex- I was like, you know what? Summer church picnic on a Friday. If you go the first day, like you can really get after it that first hour or so and, and be okay by the end of the night. I had that thought. I mean, the only time that I feel like I really like slam beers anymore is friday in the summer i like to go out to the back porch like from like six to eight o'clock i mean now i've got a kid so everything has changed i'm sure this will even be different but like that was my perfect setting i love friday drinking i used to get way too into it in college i would get overly excited i would start drinking way too heavily way too early in the night and basically ruin the like the entire first half of my saturday I I never have been a patient yourself guy. It was always my favorite. I'm changing my answer now that like I'm just processing crushing beer instead of drinking beer. I would say tailgating um, for cards football games and then just drinking at Reds games. I love going to the ballpark and just crushing beers there. Reds game, any any baseball game really is a perfect. Even if you don't like baseball, you get to casually look up when there's a crack of the bat. Uh, you can, and they last long. It's always a lot of fun. I, I think that's a, a good answer. Um, I got Chris Hatfield. He says, what former Louisville player from the last 15 years that averaged 10 minutes or less during his career would you like to put on this team? And he actually sent a, a list along of some of the players that qualify for this. So I, I'll read just a, a, a sampling real quick. So David Levitch, Tim Henderson, Anton Gill, Mott Stockman, Elijah the Bullet Justice, Tony Hicks, George Good, Akoya Gal, Zach Price, Shaquan Aaron, Lance Thomas, shout to Memphis State, Angel Nunez, Jacob Redding, Jay Henderson, Chris Brickley. Wow. Um, Real I mean, too. Personally, I, I, I absolutely, I mean, I'm a Lev guy for life. I have a Levitation shirt, um, so I'm biased towards him, but who could the team use that plays under 10 minutes? That's tough. I mean, uh, that wasn't exactly murderer's row there. I would say, God, we could use another body, maybe step George Good. He could step out and hit the three. Um, I yeah, I mean, that would probably be my number one answer, to be honest, is George Good. My wife has a was obsessed with George Good when we were dating back in the day. And it happens every single year on – I, th- I think it was New Year's Eve because I think that's when we played Kentucky in his senior season, which was, I guess, 2010. And every year she gets a Facebook reminder, like, on this day, eight years ago or whatever, this was your status. And it was her, her posting on Facebook, give George a chance, was, it, was her <laughs> entire status. And so every year on New Year's Eve, she's like, guess what my status was, seven, eight. And I, I know it now. I'm like, you were talking about George Good. So she had a shirt that said, what's good with his face on it. It was a big fan. We love George. Um I'm going to go, and actually, I'm scrolling down the list a little bit farther here, and so which is kind of cheating because you didn't have this name. But how about my guy Tyler Sharp, who now he didn't play a whole lot here. He was a walk-on here. Actually walked on at Northern Kentucky. Earned he's, a like, torn it up up there. He's, 
he's their leading scorer on a, a really good mid-major team. They can make it back to the NCAA tournament. He scored 1,000 points at NKU. So we can always use more shooters. I'll, I'll take Tyler Sharp on this team. Yeah, it's a good answer. All right. Um, first of all, I, I should point out that about 75% of the questions that came in had something to do with the starting lineup. And I think that we're going, I mean, a topic hasn't been this beaten into death, beaten to death since the Maverick Rowan recruitment like five years ago. So I don't think we need to really get into our, who our starting five would be, but I appreciate all of you guys sending those questions in. Uh, Gil Bolberg, back on the pod, friend of the pod says, will you and Dumpster Dan do an emergency podcast if Dave Lato and or Danny Manning get fired? It's going to be a short one. I know that. Um, I think we have to now. Yeah, no, I agree. We'll uh, we'll relive like the uh, the the top two games from each person's tenure and um, probably end the pod right there. And the best part about that is if either one does get fired, it's going to be like right in the middle of the NCAA tournament or championship week when all the conference tournaments are going to go on. So we'll have a pod you know, Wednesday at 2 p.m. where we spent five minutes talking about Dave Lato and how DePaul finished last in the Big East in every single one of his seasons there but one. And I'm that'll just going to play one shining moment from when Danny and the Miracles made the Final Four run just over my phone and be like, there it is. Well, doesn't count. He, was, he, was, he wasn't coaching that. I know. I like this question. Uh, Ross Williams says, if I set the over-under for our seeding at the NCAA tournament at three and a half and you had to bet tonight, would you go over or under? I think that's the perfect line to set it at. Oh gosh, I, I'm, I mean, I'm nervous about this team. I can't even lie. Uh, I would put it at over. I could see us fall into the four line. Um, yeah, I just with our schedule down the stretch, um, just the you know, the recent lack of success in the ACC tournament. It just scares me a little bit, so I'll say over three and a half. I feel like this question would be a lot easier to answer on Thursday after we see what this team does on Wednesday night against Syracuse. But for right now, I'm going to stick with thinking this team's going to be a three seed, so I guess I'll take the under there. Um, right now, I think uh, Lenardi and most of the bracketologists out there have Louisville as either the first three seed or the second three seed. I know a couple have them already down at a four, but for right now, it seems like they've got a little bit more work to do to work themselves down. So. I'll keep the faith for now and say they're going to be at least a three seed. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm definitely nervous a little bit too. Uh, Evan Sheehan says there seems to be a lot, a lot of focus on the David Johnson starts. Hardly any focus on the lack of quote Louisville equipment has arrived tweets out of the Louisville basketball equipment staff. What are your thoughts on this? So this is kind of a inside joke. If you remember back in the day, the U of L football staff would always have their Louisville equipment has arrived in blank city and they would take a picture at the 50 yard line. And those were good times. And then those guys graduated and now we don't have it anymore. So shout out to those guys. We miss you. Get it together, basketball equipment staff. Start start sending me some some tweets. Start sending me some pictures. Let's do this. Um, Bill BB7 says, with how bad we looked against the Syracuse and the zone last year, is playing better but still losing good enough in this game, or is it a win or bust? What are your thoughts? Oh, it's a win or bust. Um, just because of... Yeah, like you said earlier, Syracuse's zone this year has not been as effective. Um, it's a must-win game for us coming off a two-game losing streak. Oh. Uh, I just – this, this, this is a – yeah, I know. Sorry, I, that was heavy. But, <laughs> I mean, three games in a row in February is – I mean, that would – we would feel pretty shitty. So, 
Um, yeah, I'm going to say that even if we play well and lose, that would be very, uh, very discouraging. I will never use the phrase must win game unless it's a literal situation, because I think it's the most overused thing in the entire world. Uh, I'm sorry that you just did it. I came into this pod thinking that you were going to say it at some point. I was hoping you wouldn't, but uh, here we are. Um, Because like people said last year, going into the Boston college game late in the season, like this is a must win game. It's a must win game. And we lost and we kept playing. We made the NCAA tournament. So I, I agree that it's, it's, to answer the question, it's not a game that I think you feel good about if you just look better than you have the last week and you still lose. There's no way to feel good about this game unless Louisville wins. I, I think that that's – there's no way to feel good about the rest of the season unless Louisville wins. This is a, there's a lot yeah, of pressure. If this, was, if this was Florida State or Duke, like, okay, yeah, my answer is probably a little bit different. Sure. But, I mean, we, we should – you know, Syracuse is the, – they're middle of the road in the ACC, you know uh, – Fringe, I mean, not fringe, they're a bubble team that's probably on the wrong side of it right now. So we should definitely win this game. I don't know if Cardinal Strong, at Cardinal Strong, awesome guy, read his football countdown every single year. He's fantastic. I don't know if he listened to the pod where you made the same comparison or if this is just a, a coincidence. But his question is, while his play has been sketchy of late, is Jordan Wara largely the victim of, quote, Jay Cutler-esque body language? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh... I mean, you know how I feel about it. And, like, I hate – I don't want to be, like, the body language guy. Like, I believe me, I, I hate that. It speaks um, pretty loudly. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's, it, I think it's, we, it's hard to ignore. It, it really is. Like, his stands out, you know, like, especially after those turnovers last game. Like, he just kind of had, like, the biggest, like, oh, well, on to the next fucking thing. I'm like, Jordan, we can't, we can't do this, buddy. But, you know, uh, he – He's never really, he's just a guy that really hasn't changed his expression. And he, you know, that just might be the way that he is. I'm not going to fault him for it. But if he plays well, he can do whatever he wants. I just want him to play better. I think there's a little bit of the race balding thing to him where, because Ray wasn't a, like, I mean, Ray was expressionless constantly. People thought that he just didn't care and he wasn't playing hard, which I don't think could have ever been further from the truth. I think Ray cared a lot. And you saw it down the stretch of his, his junior season uh, when he was here. But with Jordan, there's definitely some stuff where, I mean, body language is one thing, jogging after turnovers, you know, not going for loose balls, like that's another, I think that's where people really get him. So I think there's a little bit of the, the Jay Cutler-esque body language that's affecting him, but some of it is definitely self-inflicted. I, um, I, I One thing, I, and I hate to, you know, we talked about this last podcast, we're always comparing like Rick's tenure to Chris's tenure. I would just... I really wish I could have seen what Jordan would be like under Patino. I just think that would have been like a fascinating experiment because his defense is, is definitely not, um, you know, where it is to be on the floor for Rick, but he's such an offensive weapon. Um, you know, you wonder how much Rick would have like his weight down from where it's at right now. I just, I would have loved to see kind of how that worked out. Yeah, that would have been, it would have been very interesting. Uh, festivities next door says, can there be some baseball talk on the pot, please? Um, we definitely have more plans to do more baseball stuff as the season goes along. We'll bring in my guy, Justin Kruger, who does a great job covering the team and talk to him a little bit, but not a whole lot to talk about just yet. I know they went down to Ole Miss. They went one and two. They're playing Wright State today. If you're listening on Wednesday, it's going to be on uh, the ACC network at 3 p.m. at Jim Patterson Stadium, the home opener. But we're excited about cards baseball. No question. Oh, about yeah. It. Yeah. Did you see 
God, the the strike him out, throw him out to end the game. Um, God, that was pretty tough, but it was pretty badass play by Ole Miss. I'm not going to lie. It was. I had. For, I, I didn't realize that the Bianco kid that we had is the son of the Ole Miss head coach, which was kind of a sort of an interesting yeah. element of that game, uh, that series last weekend. But yeah. So he had a bomb. So props to him. He did. He also struck out to end the second game. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. We long love, season. Long. We season. love you, Ben. Hang in there. Uh, Trey Fletcher says, "Which XFL team have you guys adopted as your own? It's got to be the DC Defenders, right? Have you watched any XFL, Dan? I have not. Like uh, when the Virginia Louisville game was playing I was at a bar and there was an XFL game on and my brother who is an avid WWE wrestling fan was actually pretty interested um at the XFL game but I literally I couldn't name one team all I know is that Eli Rogers is playing and I always cheer for Eli that's a hundred that's all I know too I know that Tremaine Washington's in the league I know Eli Rogers had a big first game I I can't do the XFL like yeah. at, some, at some point, there's too much football, and it's not just football. Like I, I love football; it has its place in the sports calendar. And when it's over, it's time to move on. Like I, I live, breathe, eat college basketball for five months. I couldn't do it for a full year. When the NCAA tournament's over, I'm ready for a little bit of a break. Like I, I just, I don't need B-level pro football. So. Part of the reason I, I like to watch football is for the atmosphere, and. I mean, I, I can't really say these XFL games are providing like an absolute dynamite, you know, atmosphere coming through live on TV. I could not agree more. Um, I, three different people sent the same question in. They're mentioning the fact that so the Granville Inn, Louisville staple, U of L bar of choice for millions over the years, it officially changed its name to the Granville Pub. I guess this happened ten days ago, and since this happened, Louisville's gone zero and two in basketball. Um, oh man. And, is there first of all like the Granville was one of those things I feel like I missed out on I've I, I've been oh, in there me once. too 100 percent I yeah. I've been there one time same um, thing and I mean it was it was awesome it was it was a cool place but yeah I'm probably not the right person to speak on this but I mean if we're 0 and 2 with the name change we we might want to revisit that that's the official stance of the CC podcast change it back Granville what are you doing get it together um would this is from Leviticus J Crowder would peak Otis George start for this year's squad? Peak Otis George was really good. Um, would he start for this year's squad? Uh, I would be okay with it. I, I would definitely not have a problem with it. Just hang out there on the baseline, um, hit a couple foul line jumpers, set some absolutely fucking rocket screens. Yeah, I'm all right with it. What do you think? Because I, I looked this up. Just now, so I'm cheating. I, I would have had a bad guess, I think, if I had been asked this. What do you think was the most points Otis George averaged throughout his global career? I, I know it's going to be low, just the way you phrased the question. But yeah, here's I think, what I think of Otis George with two things. He had a big Kentucky game, and yeah. he had a big Sweet 16 game against Washington when we went to the Final Four. Um, so, the screen uh, heard around the world. The screen heard around the world. Um, he actually played well in that tournament. I mean, he had some, he, he gave some valuable minutes, but if you had to ask me the question, I'll say 4.5. 5.5 was what he All averaged right. his senior year at Louisville. Um, the third thing that we both remember about Otis George is that we oh, had yeah. his phone, we had his phone number true. in high school we did. and we used to, we used to get drunk and, and, and call him up just to hear his voicemail. He goes, this, this is Otis. Peace no, and love. It, you, know, you have reached the voicemail box yeah. of Otis, yeah, Otis, and, and like, 
I mean, we were the kid, like we're the kids that make people not want to play college basketball <laughs> at big time programs. Like, yeah. he ends up changing his number because these like rat faced kids would get drunk on the weekends, call him, and leave him voicemails talking about how great he was and how much we liked him and how we, he played a great game against St. Louis on Wednesday night. Uh, but that was, uh, yeah. We, I also, we were, we were I also had, I also had Hakeem Warwick's AIM screen name, and I would come back <laughs> drunk from the bars freshman year of college. And message him all the time. And one time he actually responded, and I printed out the conversation and taped it to my door. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, you did do that, which was, I mean, the biggest <laughs> loser move of all time. Like nobody cares. It's like we're talking about loser. He responded to me. It's like must the college life must not have been that cool. Oh my god. Um, at beat Purdue says, how can I get my dad to stop pronouncing the N in Wara? If you don't, if you've been following Jordan for three years now, and you don't know that the N is not pronounced in his last name, you're probably a lost cause. At some point, you get too old to stop start learning new stuff, and I think this is probably the case with your dad. Just let him go. Do you have any advice, Dan? I am not the guy to be giving advice <laughs> on pronouncing anything, so I'm just gonna stay away from this one and move on to the next question. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Matthew V4 says, what's the best ACC road trip to make next year for basketball, non-Duke, non-UNC division? Where would you like to go see a hoops game on the road in the ACC? Oh, um, gosh, that's a great question. We've been to Notre Dame. Uh, I mean, it it was when game day was there. It was the six-overtime game. Um, I imagine if it's not that big of a state, if the stakes aren't that high, it's probably not the best place to watch a game um gosh as far as like a a game i'd want to see i'd i'd really want to go to the carrier dome but i wouldn't want to go to actual you know syracuse new york um but i'll say i would say either Pitt or syracuse i want to go to to charlottesville um i hear john paul jones arena is really cool like the inside is is awesome and the crowd's actually really into it uh, and Syracuse, you know, they just won a national title. So I say that the game, I don't know. I mean, I've heard the campus is beautiful. I haven't been to any of the football games. I know a lot of people who have, but apparently Syracuse is a good road trip to make if, uh, you know, if you want to make one. So that would be my Fun. answer. Did you say Syracuse just won a national title? Sorry, Virginia, Virginia. Is, is, I'm, <laughs> oh, I was like, where, I was like, uh, lacrosse. Yeah, I, I didn't know what was going on there. Christ, what's, what's wrong with? Uh, yeah, Virginia is where I want to go. The orange got to my brain, and I just got all confused. Um, no. Ma- Michael Shea says, what's the what's your Mount Rushmore of Syracuse defenses? Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. I, <laughs> too bad too bad. Uh, Raph's not doing the game tomorrow. He'd be like, oh, a little two-three with man-to-man principles. Like, yeah. yeah that, that's like the uh, the classic Raph-Syracuse call. Oh, the two-three zone. The jokes never get old. It's always yeah. going to be. Connor Shea, Louisville has a fabulous dining scene. But some establishments are grossly overrated. He says, I'm looking at you, Feast. Why don't you call them out, you coward? Um, do we want to call out restaurants? Uh, they're not listening. Uh, I'm going to let you do this because, again, you, you live there now. I, I don't. So uh, there might be some new places I don't even know about. I'll call out. I don't even know if it's open anymore. I know it was closed the last time I went there. The Steak and Shake on Bardstown Road, which <laughs> is absolutely a fabulous dining scene. I've never, I don't know why, when, when Mary lived in the Highlands, I would still go there, despite the fact that I knew it was going to take 45 minutes at the bare minimum to get like a milkshake and a steak burger. And I don't know why I did it. That place, 
And it's been, surely to God, the same people haven't been working there for 25 years, but it's always been the absolute fucking worst my entire life. I, I don't know what's going on over there. I don't know why it takes so much longer than every other second shake in the world, but it's, and like nobody ever, they're not nice. They're never anybody paying attention. They always seem to have enough workers in there. They're just not doing their jobs. It's the absolute worst. So there's your call out. I just did it. Yeah. I, I have a feeling the guy that asked that question wasn't expecting a steak and shake as his response, but I do, I do like, uh, the reasoning behind it. Um, Terrible. yeah, I don't know. Like, I used to really love Cafe Lulu because I kind of lived by there, and I felt like last time I ate there had gone downhill. But I don't want to throw anyone under the bus there. So, I, I, I mean, li- yeah, I know. Sorry about that, Lulu. I I, lo- I love all Louisville restaurants. I'm not going to hate on any of them. It's it, the food is better there than it is in Columbus. But I will say Columbus has infinitely amount or infinitely more sports bar type places than Louisville does, which is kind of nice. I love Cafe Lulu, by the way. That is a that's a Dan opinion. That's not the opinion of the Car Chronicle podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, God, I need to try. Maybe I had a bad experience. I go there all the time, and the, one of the Highlands I know was run by a Louisville fan, and he would always put. No, uh, no, okay, I've never been in the one in the Highlands. So, yeah, um, he would always not, draw, he like they would that. draw cardinals on the box when we would get uh, delivery to Mary's old house in the Highlands because they were big. Okay, I take fans. it back. It's been good. Nine, you fucked like, up already. 90, 99 out of hundred. I don't want. It's shit over. On. It's over. Fuck. Um, Fuck. Joe G says, are you willing to sign off on naming your next 14 kids um, the name of our upcoming opponent? A lot of people have said that. You know, we name a daughter Virginia. We start beating Virginia and everything when we hadn't beat Virginia uh, in the past. I, I'm trying to think of now, like, what name of a team that Louisville plays with some degree of regularity could actually be the name of a child? Because I, I can't – Kentucky Rutherford's not going to happen. Um, Duke Rutherford, no. That's too – hoity-toity could and you like be- nick could you like nickname it like i don't know um who beats what? us a lot though like georgetown <laughs> rutherford <laughs> yeah i don't know i feel like we'd be reaching a little bit it's it's yeah. tough we but. used to always lose to um um i feel like purdue used to beat us back in the day early in the season a decent amount them and byu but neither of those work either um dayton dayton rutherford there you go that could work they beat us yeah. four times We'll roll with that one. That's my answer. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to find one more before we get out of here. Uh, well, I tell you what. Even though I made fun of it a little bit earlier, because I did get like 35 questions about the starting lineup, what would your ideal starting lineup be for Wednesday night's game against Syracuse? If you could pick the the starting five. It would be Dave at the one, Ryan at the two, Jordan at the three, Dwayne at the four, Malik at the five. We are in agreement. I, I think that would be my starting five too. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate Stephen Enoch. And in this game too, like I feel like David, this is not the perfect spot for him. I so actually maybe, agree with you. Like, yeah. especially if you haven't seen the zone before, like, and he takes a lot of he, like, he makes a lot of risky passes, and I could see him like totally getting like a bunch of like trying to get it to the middle of the zone, like balls deflected away a little bit. But hopefully, I'm wrong about that. Yeah, no, and he is his outside shot has looked not great the last couple of games. So I guess a team that likes to force you to shoot from the outside, yeah, maybe not yeah. the perfect landing spot for him. But we'll see. I mean, maybe getting him in in any situation would be sooner better than later. But it didn't sound – Chris Mack didn't really show his hand during the press conference on Tuesday. He he didn't really reveal if there were going to be more changes. He, he sort of he, – I think he deflected the David Johnson question more or less. So we'll see. I, I wouldn't be shocked with any lineup at this point because we were all so wrong. Um, the last time so 
at the end of these episodes, we like to either do a Dan in the Dump story where Dumpster Dan Sennard tells something bad that's happened to him either recently or at some point in his life. Um, or we like to read reviews that you guys leave for us on, on the podcast app. We're going to combine the two here this time because one of the reviews, and you sent this to me, I hadn't actually seen it, was from a, I think it was Gary S., who said, I'm glad that Danny is better on the podcast than he was at valeting cars. Do you care to elaborate on that, Dan? <laughs> yeah, so I think I know who sent this, um, but I, I don't want to call him out in case I'm wrong. But, um, but one of my summer jobs in college is what I used to come back and valet park cars at Churchill Downs. Um, so that's where this Dan in the Dump story actually leads to. So whoever put that comment in there, I, I appreciate it. Um, and no, I, I was a terrible valet parker, and here's one reason why. So um, my boss used to be like a drill sergeant uh, <laughs> in the army, and I, I was like this just like punk, like a little bit fratty, had like a fro, would like go out and party during the week and then like come in hungover for my summer job, like kind of guy. And like this guy just hated it. Like he would get in my face, he would ask like why I didn't shave and just would ride my ass all day. And um, well, one time I was uh, waiting for a car to pull up to uh, the front there, Churchill Downs, gate one. That's where they used to park, not in gate 10 where they do now. Um, and it was this big white dually truck. And the way it is, is they would take the truck, they would uh, get out, give me the keys. I would go park it and I'd run the keys back to them and let them know what row it was in. So I, I'm like, all right, I'll be right back with your, your car, sir. So I pull out and I just run the truck like right along these like orange staunches that were like right there. And like, as soon as like, I hear something like against the truck, I like look out my window and these people like, look like they've seen like a murder looking at my car. <laughs> I was like, Oh fuck. So like, I just kept driving and I like went and parked it. I got out and I looked at this white dually truck, which was worth way more than anything I was worth at the time. And I was like, Oh my God, it was just this orange streak from the back, like all the way to the front. And I was like, God damn it. So then I had to like literally jog back with the car keys to the waiting customer who just saw me run his car into something. I was like, sir, your car is going to be in row four today. And then he just like, gave me this blank stare. I was like, I'm really sorry. He's like, what the hell, man? That was, that was my truck. I was like, I know. Like, luckily my boss was like inside at the time and he like didn't see it. And I was like, I can go get my boss. We can bring him out here uh, and get this. I didn't even know like what would happen at that point if I was going to be fired or what. He was like, man, he just took, he's like, don't even worry about it. And I was like, holy crap. So now I'm like nervous for him to come out when the races are over um, because I don't want my boss to see me pull up this truck that has been <laughs> dented by me. So I had my entire, my entire team distract my boss while I like went like 200 yards over and got this guy's <laughs> attention and like parked the truck over there. I was like, here you go, man. I was like, don't worry about the tip. We're all squared. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that was my uh, valet story there. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's how the fact that you were ever a valet at any point. Oh, I mean, that's one of 10,000 stories. If you ever see me at a bar, we'll sit down and we yeah. pull up a chair and have a drink and we can go through some war stories. Oh, 
God. All right. Uh, we'll read one last review before we get out of here because it's a celebrity review. It's our, our first celebrity review, and it comes from 2006 Lou Groza Award winner, Art Carmody, friend of the pod. He says, Mike, I've, I have met and been around Danny before, but I never realized how awesome he is. I blame you for not pointing this out sooner. You guys are doing a great job, and I look forward to each episode. Art Carmody. Yes. Oh, nice we're, we're, we're recent friends on Facebook. So, um, yeah, Art's the best. We love Art. Uh, D Camper 4719 says Mike is to blame for the Clemson loss. I love the podcast. You guys might be competing with Joe Rogan for the most entertaining pod out right now, but Mike, you cut off Dan too early. Uh, he didn't even say the go. And that's the sole reason why we had one of the worst halves I've seen in U of L history, but seriously, much love. Keep coming with the pods. Now the last podcast we did, I actually got the timing just down. So you just started to say go. And I hit the stop button. But is, it's is there is there more pressure on anything in the world than you cutting that off at the right time? Oh, I'm terrified. I <laughs> the last time, like, because that was the first time where I was actively trying to do it, and I didn't know when you were going to come in, and it was just it was more luck than anything. It was easier to do it when I wasn't trying to do it because that wasn't like we didn't try to do this as a gaffe. I just accidentally <laughs> hit stop every time because I didn't think you were going to say anything, and it cut you off like five times in a row. But here we are now. Yep, That's it. Yep. All right. do, you, do you have any parting words before we do the go-cards? Um, I don't. Big game tomorrow. Let's bring home the W. God, we need it tomorrow, so I hope the fans come out and hope it's loud there. Speaking of the, the ratings and reviews, again, we encourage you guys to subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. And we're at 496 ratings, oh, which is... Oh, give us the 500, baby. We yeah. need 500. 496, by the way, is, is pretty fucking wild for a team-specific college sports podcast. Um, you guys are the best, and we really, really appreciate it. And all this stuff really does help us out. But if we can get to 500 before tip-off Wednesday night, that would be awesome. Leave a review if you have a couple of uh, you know seconds to make fun of us or say whatever. You can follow our comedy suit and be nice, or you can leave mean stuff. We're going to read them either way. But we really appreciate everybody out there who's been listening and also subscribing and rating and reviewing. You guys are the best. We'll be talking to you after the Syracuse game on Thursday. Until then, go Cards, beat Qs. Go Cards.